Acts 8, beginning in 12. We're going to read through 18. And I want you to key in on verse 18 right there if you have a pen or if you do mark in your Bible. I want you to notice something there in that one verse. Because, and we'll get to it right at the very end. But look at the word. It says, now when Simon saw, underline or circle that word saw. And the reason why is because for him to see that, it means something had to be taking place. And that's what we're going to get to today. Let's read verses 12 through 18. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued to Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. That's Acts chapter 8, 12 through 18. Before we get into these texts, I'm going to state some facts. I'm going to state some facts. And if you, if you have a pen, you'll want to write these facts down. Now, they're controversial, and I'm not scared of controversy in God's Word. I'm not. It, it shouldn't be controversial. You have, you have the truth, uh, or you don't. It's, it's one way or the other. You have the truth or you don't. And so, I'm not concerned about controversy. I do want you, however, to understand that we are in a saturated area that believes in speaking in tongues that believes in miracles, that believes in signs and wonders still today, that they're still currently being performed regularly. Would everybody attest to that? That people, we are saturated in the area like that. Okay, so if we are saturated in an area that, like that, then we have to address that. So I'm not scared of the controversy that comes with it. But I want you to keep an open mind as we go through it because it might hurt your ears. You might say, wait a second, that's not what I've always heard. Well, you know, the Pentecostals down the road, they all speak in tongues down there. What about us? Are we the spiritual haves or have-nots? Just put all of that out of your mind, if if at all possible. Put it all out of your mind and let's tackle this issue headlong and let's look at it for what it is in the book of Acts. And then we will apply it later on to the, to the apostles' epistles as we move forward. This will be two or three sermons coming out of this one thing. And, and the reason why primarily is because of tongues. Because of tongues. It would be one thing if people were claiming that arms and limbs and legs were growing out, but they're not claiming that. They're claiming people are still speaking in tongues. And, and if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. How many people have heard that by show of hands? Okay, so we got to address it, don't we? 
If it goes against God's word, if it's going to go contrary to God's word and the, and the true gospel message, then it has to be addressed. And the reason why it has become so prevalent today is because it has not been addressed. And people have not, they don't know how to address it. They don't know how to go about it. They don't understand the word of God. And they're scared to death that they're going to offend somebody. If I was scared I was going to offend somebody, I would have done left. I offend myself every time I get up and preach. I step on your toes. I've been accused of knowing people's lives, what's going on in their life. I have no idea what's going on in your life. A lot of times I don't want to know. But I've been accused of it. Guys, we have to understand the facts concerning the Spirit of God and how He moved in the early church and how He's moving today. Things are not quite the same. They're just not. And we have to understand that. First, you'll want to write these facts down and I'm going to back them up with Scripture. It's going to take me the rest of the service and it's also going to take me a couple of more services to back these up. But first, speaking in tongues is not gibberish. Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It's actually different languages. And a reversal, pay attention, it's different languages. You say, well, yeah, we get that in Acts chapter 2, but what about chapter 10? What about in 11 and 19? What about them places? Well, it's no different. We're going to get to them. It's an actual... Language. It's different languages, a reversal of what God had done in Genesis 11 when he confounded the people's tongues for disobedience. It is a complete reversal of what he done in Genesis chapter 11. When he spread the people from the Tower of Babel because they did not go and populate the earth. But they stayed in one spot. They wanted to stay in that one spot. And because they stayed in that one spot, the Lord says nothing will be withheld from them. So we're going to go down and we're going to confound their language. And this, that's where you get your Frenches and your, and your Spanish and your Dutch and your German and all of these different languages. Portuguese, Spanish, English. Now at this time, they weren't exactly that type of language, but they were different languages nonetheless. You understand what I'm talking about. So the Lord sent them away. He confounded their language, so everybody was babbling. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody can understand one another. So the Chinese went here, the, the, you know, the Greek over here, and all these different ones went in different places. And they understood the ones that they could understand, and that made them separate. Well, here in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 8, we see that the purpose for tongues, and we see the purpose for these works was to bring them back together, that they would be united under one common banner of love, and that was the love of Jesus. This is when the Spirit was given in Acts 2. When Peter preached in Acts 2, he preached in his language. 
And what did the people hear from, from the, all the different nations that were represented there, the Jewish people that were all represented there, what did they hear? Peter preached in his language and they heard in what? Their own language. And so do we say that, wait a second, speaking in tongues is going to change? It's not going to follow suit? It's, it's going to be something different as we move on through the book of Acts and as we move on through the epistles? Well, no. No, it's not. It's not going to change. What they were doing, that's not going to change. The, the languages, it's not going to change. It's going to continue to be languages. But they're going to not do them anymore as you go through the epistles. You're going to see that. And so I want everybody to understand that this is not gibberish. They were actual languages. He was speaking in his and they were hearing in theirs. This was miraculous. This was from the Spirit of God. This was speaking in tongues or speaking in other languages. I don't know how our country and even our world has gotten so far off in the past hundred years. Has gotten so far off to think that this is a gibberish thing that we do. That we have our own prayer language. That we have all of these things that are not really true. It's craziness. Second, remember this. Speaking in tongues is used in Scripture to propagate the gospel. To spread the wonderful works of God. This was its purpose. People always put so much emphasis on tongues and they forget the what the tongues were for. And it was to spread the wonderful works of God back in Acts chapter 2. It was to spread redemption, regeneration, remission of sins, all of these things. This is the purpose of the giving of tongues. Giving of different languages. To propagate the gospel. To spread the wonderful works of God to every nation, language, tribe, and tongue. Once again, not gibberish. You say, prove it. I'll prove it in Acts chapter 2. Proving it right here in Acts chapter 8 with, Samarit with the Samaritans. I'll prove it to you in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11 with the Gentiles. And I'll prove it to you in Acts chapter 19 with the 12 believers that were baptized by John that Paul went to go preach to. In all of those situations, it's the very same thing. There's no change. It doesn't just instantly change into gibberish going through Acts or going through the epistles. That's not what it's about. There was a real true purpose for tongues. And it wasn't so we could quote unquote speak like holy angels or exalt ourselves. That's not what it's about. These things go contrary to Scripture. We are called to speak clearly. Clearly. What good would it do if I stood up here and I spoke Indonesian to y'all? Not a bit of good. Would it? Y'all would look at me like I had four heads. He calls us to speak clearly. To exalt Him. 
to edify others, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was the purpose for the tongues. This was the purpose for the miracles in general. We've got to understand that. Third, also please remember, as the gospel spread to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the Gentiles, the people's salvation had to be confirmed. Listen to me. It had to be confirmed and authenticated by the word of the apostles to the early church or to the church in Jerusalem, church back in Jerusalem. It had to be confirmed and authenticated by the apostles. Who were the apostles? We know that Judas was taken out of that role and Matthias was put into it. And who else was put into it? As of one that was late, Paul. So there were 13. And they had to, they had to go and to confirm these things. People's salvation had to be confirmed and authenticated by the word of the apostles back to the early church in Jerusalem. You got to remember something. This was a monumental time in the church. 400 years of silence where there was nothing, no prophesying, nothing. Jesus comes on the scene and he begins to do all of these miracles and signs and wonders. Then the church is birthed. And all these things are beginning to change. All these things are working and moving. And he appoints, he appoints these apostles. The Spirit is given. And it had to stay on track. And so those 12 apostles, or 13 rather, 13, the, the 13th Saul or Paul was sent for the Gentiles, were to authenticate to authenticate, confirm those that were being saved and report that back to the church. As a matter of fact, you see that reporting back often. You see it reporting back often. Uh, in 25, you see where they returned back to Jerusalem. And along the, along the way, they were preaching the gospel to all the villages of the Samaritans on the way back. Then in chapter 11, after Cornelius and his family is saved, Peter and John then go back and testify and give the long drawn out story of what happened with Cornelius, the Gentiles, to the apostles and the New Testament church in Jerusalem. And you see this pattern throughout. God's word in the New Testament. But those signs and wonders and miracles did not continue as people teach today. Even, even going towards the end of the epistles when, when Paul wrote to Timothy, of all people, Timothy, who had been with Paul, he had stomach issues. He says, take a little wine for your stomach. It's good for you. It settles and it takes care of the stomach and it, whatever's wrong in the stomach, a lot of times it can help that. Well, if miracles were an issue and they were still practicing them, it would have been quite easily uh, that Paul could have, could have healed him. 
I mean, those early days, the people were getting in the shadows of the apostles. But then in the end, you see where actually the apostles themselves are beginning to get sick and they're beginning to grow weak and tired as they get older. So they didn't just continue on and on and on. In the beginning, you saw limbs and people raised from the dead and limbs growing out and all these things. But that even begins to stop and slow down towards the end of the epistles. You just don't see it. People claim today that they can do those things. I have yet to see one. I heard on the radio the other day that prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so was coming to, to work a, a, uh, a healing service. <laughs> a prophecy service and healing service. And I thought to myself, and it's probably going to be done in a tent. Because, I mean... <laughs> You just see it. You can go onto the television and you can see this. It's done for money. And these things, they're shams and they're charlatans. They don't have the power that the apostles had. I don't have the power that the apostles had. That is crazy for me to even consider. Just not true. So let's get to God's Word. Acts chapter 8 and 12. Listen to what it says. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. And here's a question that comes up. What happened here when Philip preached? Later, Jojo. I know you got to go. What happened here when Philip preached? What was taking place in this moment when Philip preached? Well, the people believed and they were baptized, right? Yes, that's exactly what happened. The people believed and were saved and baptized. They'd received the Lord as a spirit of illumination. Now, I'm going to go get into the difference. Remember, this is, this is a monumental time in the church, and things are a little bit different here. So don't let it just hurt your ears. But I want you to understand this. They'd received, remember, there was much joy in the city because of the preaching of Philip. Because the miracles that he had worked, they had received the Lord as a spirit of illumination. They had been regenerated. They had been enlightened and sanctified by him, were converted by him, and brought to believe in Christ and live for Christ. And they even showed that by being baptized. However, in this very special instance in Scripture... Remember, the gospel was going to the Samaritans. This is a monumental moment. It went to Jerusalem and the area around Jerusalem. And now the third place is we see that it is going to the Samaritans. This had to be authenticated. This had to be uh, signed off on. It had to have the apostles' seal of approval. Remember, Philip wasn't an apostle. He was a deacon. The gospel was going to the Samaritans. These Samaritans here were being saved by the Spirit inwardly. They had not been given the special abilities outwardly yet. 
that could only come from the apostles. Philip was doing signs and wonders, if you recall, because he had been with the apostles. But he didn't have the authority to pull the Holy Spirit down onto them outwardly and give them gifts. The apostles did. He wasn't an apostle. Listen to what it says. And according to verses 6 through 8, you see where Philip was doing miracles. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out, came out of many who had them, and many were paralyzed or lame, were healed. So there was much joy in the city. So apparently Philip could do these miracles, but he did not have the authority to supernaturally bring down the Holy Spirit upon these new believers in this text outwardly for them to do these miracles as well. You say, why did they need to do the miracles as well? you got to remember, what were the miracles for? Just so they could just see something cool? To spread the gospel. To show the love of Christ. And to set up the early church, which all had to be authenticated by the apostles. We have to understand what's going on in the text. These external gifts could only come from those apostles in this moment as the gospel was spread to the Samaritans. You're going to see the same thing happen when it is spread first to the Jews and then to Judea around that area, then to the Samaritans here. And then in 10, you're going to see it when it's spread to the Gentiles. The same thing is going to happen. Nothing different. The same thing. And then you see it. It's going to take that same shape as it goes throughout Acts. The apostles needed to see that the gospel had spread to the Samaritans. Remember, the Samaritans were considered mongrels, weren't they? By the Jews. Remember that? They were considered mongrels. They hated the Jewish people. Anybody with me? I got to get through this. I got three sermons on this. It's important because our whole country is saturated, our whole world is saturated, and the church, saturated, and the church has given in to these crazy doctrines, so we better pay attention. The Samaritans were considered mongrels who hated the Jews. They only adhered to the first five books of the Bible. And when they adhered to those first five books of the Bible, those first five books of the Bible that they adhered to had been altered by pagan practices that they had been brought, that had been brought in by all the different ones that they had intermarried with. So the Jews did not want to have anything to do with the Samaritans and vice versa. They just didn't. They hated each other and there was enmity there. So Philip goes on down there and he has great success. And word gets back to Jerusalem and they're like, the 12 apostles are like, whoa, wait a second. There is no way this is taking place. Peter and John go down there and take word of what is going on, what is really going on. 
Go see what's taking place. Why? Because they needed Peter and John to authenticate what was taking place. To confirm it. This was a big deal that it went to the Samaritans. Verse 13. Like I said, we're not going to spend any time on this man. I don't really want to spend any time on this man, but he's in Scripture, so I'm going to have to later on. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed. He was amazed. This man was a false convert, as we will see later on. Every church has them. They've believed and they're baptized, but even the demons do so as well. Not baptized, but believe. Every church has them. False converts that don't fit the bill. They're whitewashed sepulchers full of dead man's bones. They're empty and hollow on the inside, but on the outside they look real good because they've went through the water. they got shiny faces. They put on the best front, but they're empty. That's all I'm going to say about him for right now. Verse 14. Now when the apostles... Who? Who were the apostles? All 12, right? All 12 that were in Jerusalem. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Why did they send the apostles, Peter and John? To confirm and to authenticate that yes, indeed, the Samaritans had been saved. This was important. They're making notes. Just as the early church had so many added to it. Remember that? 3,000, 5,000 and so on and so forth. And it just kept growing in Jerusalem. Well, here the same thing is taking place in Samaria. They are going down to say, yes, I see this. And yes, I'm going to report this back to, to the New Testament church in Jerusalem. But it wasn't just for that. But it was also to give them gifts. And everybody places so much emphasis on the tongue. It's crazy how much emphasis is placed on the tongue around here. But they forget about all the other gifts that were given to the New Testament church. And the reason why they were given to the New Testament church was why? To establish the New Testament church. When people think about gifts, all they do is think about, okay, well, somebody's healed or somebody's speaking in tongues. Well, what about the gift of preaching? The gift of teaching? Of prophesying? Of all of these different things that are word gifts? What about gifts of service? These are all things that the New Testament church needed, especially the Samaritans who had never seen anything like this before. They had to have the apostles down there. They needed their help big time to establish the church there and to spread the gospel there. Got to pay very close attention to that. Gifts. Preaching, teachings, tongues, discernment, gifts of healing, of prophesying, gifts of service, gifts of speaking. All these things were given when John and Peter 
came down. And only the apostles could do this. Verse 15. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Outwardly. Outwardly. Remember they had already believed in the Lord and were baptized. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. 17. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now we got to remember something. We got to understand this. Not everyone that was there received, not everyone that was there received the same gifts. When we break it down and look at it like this, we have to understand. Remember, we've been in 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy states that, that a pastor cannot be a woman. Remember that? True? Right or wrong? Is that going to be any different in the New Testament church, in the early church? No! There's no way it would go against Scripture. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, that there were women that received certain gifts and there were men that received certain gifts. Not every single one of them were gifted to preach. If that were the case, then there would be no church. So all these different gifts were given to them. But it was given to them by the laying on of hands from the apostles to establish the New Testament church there in Samaria. Not everyone received the same gifts. The ladies would not have received leadership gifts, would they? No. Not because you're, you're less important, but because of the order that's given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3. So the ladies wouldn't have received leadership gifts, nor would have all the men received leadership gifts. Some would have received miracles. Some were to receive teaching and preaching and, and prophesying. And all of those things were there and they were there for that day. But not all of them continued. They were there for the establishment of the New Testament church. Remember the Great Commission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And lo, I am with you always. I'm with you always. Well, here they're in Samaria, part of the Great Commission. And so special things had to happen. Sorry, that's got ice in it. Been little ices from the back. Pay attention now, I want you to hear this. What did they receive? They received, listen to me, they received what was fitting by the grace of God to equip the church in Samaria. Do we see that? They received what was fitting. In this congregation, we have all sorts of different types of people. Right? In the New Testament church, it was the same. They had all sorts of different types of people. But the Lord equipped the New Testament church to be so bright. Because the, the purpose was that it would spread to all nations. 
to all languages, to all tribes, and to all tongues. More than likely here in Samaria, the gift of tongues was given in abundance because it was able to be seen outwardly. You see that where Simon says that in verse what? Verse, uh, verse 18. Now when Simon saw. But also because it follows suit. You say what follows suit? Speaking in tongues follows suit. Where does it do that? Acts 2. Right here. I believe it happens even though it doesn't come out and say it. I believe it happens right here. It, when, when the Spirit fell on them. Doing miracles. And all the different things right here, but also in chapter 10, when the gospel goes to the Gentiles and then to the select few of John's, uh, those that were baptized with John's baptism in 19, that Apollos was ministering to and Paul came in. Paul, the apostle, came in to authenticate and confirm those 12 men who then did the same. And I'm going to give you some addresses for those real quick. Obviously, we're in Acts 8, Acts chapter 10, 44 through 48. That's where that happens with Cornelius' home. Acts chapter 11, 15 through 17. That's where Peter has to go back to Jerusalem and testify to what had happened in Cornelius' home. Acts chapter 19, 1 through 10. Is where Apollos preaches and Paul goes in there and then the Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin to speak in tongues. In each of these texts, the apostles were present. In each of these places, where it went to a new place, guess who was present? The apostles. They had to be. And in each of these texts, these external gifts were noticeable or testified about. And in Acts 10, both were. By those aforementioned apostles. Verse 18. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. (laughs) He said, I want to add this to my bag of tricks. That would look pretty good on me. Because remember, he had really won the people over. From the least to the greatest. And so this man was false and he was a sorcerer. And he says, let me buy this from you, Peter, so I can add it to my bag of tricks. So I can look good among the people. I'd like to be able to give somebody that ability too. Listen to what it says in 18. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given to the laying on of hands... He offered them money. He says, I want this same power so I can lay hands on people. So I can lay hands on people and give them the Holy Spirit. But remember, it was not possible. He wasn't even a saved man. We'll get to that later on. Let's move on. The purpose in bringing up Simon here is is that he saw something. And what was it that he saw? He saw the Holy Spirit. First off, you can't see the Holy Spirit. 
You can tell the effects is what Jesus says in John chapter 3. He saw the effects of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of those that were around him. And he said, man, this is really cool. Let's look, look what's going on. He saw the ex external gifts of the Holy Spirit. He saw that they were evident, namely that of tongues, for the spreading of the gospel message. This is what he saw. He only saw outwardly. He didn't see anything else. This was for the spreading of the gospel message. We know that. We've established that. So salvation comes here in this text to the Samaritans, and this is then reported back to the church into Jerusalem. This will follow suit all the way through the book of Acts. It has to because God is God is a God of order. And so from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the Gentiles, it's going to be the same for the New Testament church. So we can conclude that tongues, true speaking in tongues, speaking in different languages, was a gift from the Holy Spirit of God so that the language barrier that once existed could be broken. And what was its purpose? So that the gospel could be spread and the people be united under, banner, under the banner of love in Jesus Christ. The saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is spread from one language to another. And this is the end of part one. This is the end of part one. I want you to read Acts 10 and Acts 11. I want you to reread Acts 2 and I want you to read also Acts 19. These are, I'm not just cherry picking verses. What I am doing is I am showing you where they went to certain people. That's important because what they're doing is fulfilling the Great Commission. Going to certain people. Tongues was used to bring people back together. They could hear in their own language. The gospel could be preached. People could be saved, coming to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And this is going to set us up. This is just the in, like the introduction. This is going to set us up for the next couple of weeks as we move throughout some hand-picked chapters in Acts to solidify what's been said today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.